Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. This episode of the Narrators was recorded in Denver on September 19th. The theme of the evening was dicks. Um, your next performer, Robert, and I were lucky enough to meet this guy. We did a show at the Jones Theater. Some of you may have caught it. It was weird. Um, but it was fun. And this guy was also part of that show. He has a show coming up called Wheel of Misfortune at the Jones Theater this autumn. And he has a show tonight at the Lion's Lair that starts at 10. So if after this you're like, I'm having fun and I want to keep having fun, you can go to the Lion's Lair and see his band, Stomp Can't Play. Please welcome Mark. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is awesome. This is my first time ever at the Deer Pile, uh, so this is crazy. This is great. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I want to kind of let you guys know, so the story I'm going to tell is a story about uh, the time that I watched somebody jerk off a dog, and uh, I just want to let you know like that's what it's going to be, because it's going to sound like I'm leading up to something, and you might be expecting like something really big and awesome. It's just someone jerking off a dog. Like, that's where this ends up. Cool. Uh, but the reason I'm going to lead up to it, I, like, I want to give a little bit of context, because um, I think it's important to explain the circumstances under which I would watch a 14-year-old jerk off a dog in public. And the key thing to know about the circumstances are uh, that they took place at summer camp. So I don't know if any of you guys ever went to sleepaway camp over the summer. Yeah. Oh, Yes. Nice, so a couple people. All right, awesome. Uh, it was a uh, kind of a sacred place. Um, it was a, it's a place that's kind of very near and dear to my dick because it's the place where, like, I sort of first started to learn what a dick might be used for other than, like, peeing. It's, it's, uh, and it, it was, it's the place where you get preteens and teens who don't know each other, like preteen boys, teenage boys, together in con a confined space for, like, two weeks and it's not just that it's like a confined space and it's summer camp, like, it's not that. It's that they don't know each other. So you really have a chance to redefine, like, who you are, right? Whoever you are back at home, like, at school, you can be someone else a little bit different at summer camp. And for the most part, the person you wanted to be, like, had done a shit ton of stuff with their dick, right? <laughs> like, could be sticking it in things, could be, like drawing on it, like, did you have pubes? Like, that was a big deal. There's a lot of stuff that got talked about at summer camp. It was kind of this, like, education place. And because this was a little bit, like, there was the internet, but, like, we weren't allowed to have phones at camp. Like, no one really knew. Like, I, you always felt like you were behind the curve. Like, when I was at summer camp, uh, people would tell stories, be like, yo, this one time I was jerking off so hard, and I just, like, came, and then it was so sticky, my dick got stuck to the chair. We were like, oh, man, yikes, I shouldn't jerk off so hard. Like, that would be terrible if that happened. <laughs> like, there was no concept. Or, like, we come, like, someone would come back from the shower, and they'd be like, yo, guys, no one touched the cold shower knob because I just fucking jerked off all over it, so it might be a little bit, you know. And, like, the reaction, the reaction was not, that's weird and, <laughs> and disrespectful and, like, since, since we were maybe, like, you know, 12 or 13, like, it would have had to really, like, project to get up there. 
the reaction was more like, fuck, I better jerk off on the hot shower now because otherwise someone else's jizz is going to be there and then, like, they're going to be cool and I'm not going to have jizzed on any kind of utility and, like, that's going to fucking suck. Um, so this was, this was summer camp, right? And uh, it was particularly helpful for me because, I, like, I felt clueless. I felt like I didn't know anything about what was going on. This was a time when I thought masturbation meant, like, taking your balls and, like, rolling them like this. And it was like, oh, man, I really, I really got to jerk off, guys. Like, my balls are itchy, and if I don't, if I don't like, jerk off, they're still going to be a little bit itchy. Like, and, uh, and also, I didn't know, speaking of dicks, right, theme of the show is dicks. Uh, I didn't know what dick meant. I thought dick meant your ass. Like... When people went like, yo, this guy got kicked in the dick. I was like, fuck, how's he going to sit down? That must, that must hurt so much. Or like, yo, never get your dick cut off. I was like, yeah, he's like a giant cleaver is going to come and like swipe off your dick cheeks. Like, that's, uh, that's terrible. But camp, camp was the place where like I could learn. I learned this shit. You know, who knew if it was right or not? Who knew? But if you knew more, right, you were cooler. It was a status thing, right? And again, we weren't questioning. So this 15-year-old kid, okay, he's had 50 sexes. Yo, he's awesome. Like, that was the kind of thing. And it was especially, it was especially kind of like a separate sort of space because back in normal life, in non-summer camp world, like, the kind of interaction we were having with sex, or at least where I was from, was not, not very intense. Like, we had a health class at school that consisted of, like, three parts the first part was they showed you diagrams of, like, this is your penis and balls. Like, here's the tube that leads there, and, like, here's a vagina, and here's where they... Like, they look basically kind of like mazes you did on, like, kids' menus kind of thing. Like, not, not sexy at all, not helpful. The second thing they showed us was, uh, a ju- like, they'd show us pictures of what would happen to our dicks if we had sex. Like, if we, like, caught STDs, right? These are scarred into my memory. Like, they're just terrible... <laughs> I don't know where they found these pictures, but they, they went a little bit too far. Like, at a certain point, we were wise enough to know, like, there's no way that's a dick unless he just had sex with a panini maker or something. Like, that's clearly not going to happen. And the third part to, like, our normal sexual education, like our standardized sexual non-summer camp awakening, was our teacher would just put on the Wonder Years, play it, and, like, the episode would end, and she would go class dismissed <laughs> for the like i'm guessing most of you guys know the wonder years it's not like a porn it's not like a here are people having sex here it's like this young you know preteen finds out oh girls in my class like it was not something that was engaging right whereas summer camp here was where people knew shit and they were telling you how to do it right there was the kid who would come up to you and be like yo listen i know you haven't had sex yet but like somebody should know about the vagina there are more holes down there than you think. And I remember being like, fuck, how many holes are there? What? It's not like, is it like a strainer? Like, I'm gonna like, like I don't, I don't, uh, whereas, uh, you know, instead of the, like, two or whatever, like, oh, I don't know, I'll look it up on Wikipedia, like, um, but so this, this was a, this was a sacred place, and, 
the reason I'm giving this kind of context is because it was also like a, a kind of a competitive atmosphere, a little bit. Like everyone wanted to one-up each other, and everyone was kind of insecure. Everyone felt really behind the curve, and you knew who the cool people were, and you knew in general it wasn't you. But <laughs> that was just me. It was like a mean laugh, like this guy up there is not cool, thinks like, no, it's, uh, I was not cool, okay? Um, but uh, this, this brings me to the story of this guy jerking off a dog. So <laughs> this, this was the atmosphere at camp. And one day, uh, we were kind of standing towards the entrance of camp, right? And uh, this lady comes walking kind of by, and it, like, talks to an administrator, has a long leash on the dog, right? It's this little black poodle. And we're just kind of hanging out. Like, we got some free time. We're watching. You're like, oh, look at the dog. And then, like, being observant, you know, 14-year-olds are like, oh, it's a dog. Oh, it has an erection. Oh, that's kind of silly. And then this one guy who was a cooler guy, right? He was a guy who, like, he told stories. We, like, knew he had pubes. Like, he jerked <laughs> off a lot. Right? Uh, he told us about, like, this one camp he went to where, in fact, they, what they would do is jerk off over the course of the camp and store all their jizz in little jars. And then at the end of camp, they'd, like, show it to each other and be like, this is how much I jerked off, uh, which I think they went to, like, a farm camp, so it might have been, like, a sustainable thing. I'm not really sure. Like... <laughs> I figured that'd be gross, like, you're having sex with someone and you're about to come and you're like, wait, hang on, I have some already. Let me just, like, pour that on your face or whatever. Uh, so this was a guy, this was a guy who, like, he knew his shit. And he turned to us and he went, yo, I'm going to jerk off that dog. And we went, like, yeah, yeah gonna, of course you are. You know your way around, around dicks. That's, that's a normal thing. Because that's the thing. Anything, you know, the cool people said was a normal thing to do. So he went over, still attached to the leash that the owner's holding. <laughs> talking. He just goes down, like looking back at us, and it's just like... <laughs> and it was a big moment for me. Because <laughs> I knew... Past the magic haven that was summer camp, looking at this guy. This was not cool. <laughs> this was not something awesome. And, you know, in his face, looking back at us, just this like, yeah. I like my heart really swelled. It was a moment where just looking at the desperation in this guy's eyes, right, of just... Look at me. Like, look at this story I'm going to tell someone, maybe. Or look at me, you, you know, I haven't really done any of this stuff, but let me, like, jack off a dog, and this will really cement my reputation. And it was, it was a moment where I was like, hey, you know, I'm, maybe I'm not so, like, uncool after all. Like, it seems like no one entirely knows their way around dicks, around sex. You know, we're all 13, we're 14. Like, we don't, we don't fucking know shit. And this guy, this cool guy, didn't know it either. And that knowledge is something I think I've really carried with me uh, for the rest of my life in some ways, right? Obviously, uh, I mean, look at me now. Like, I've, like, had 70 sexes, so, like, I don't want to. But uh, the kind of thing where it really sticks with you. And the, my, my approach and my, my attitude towards all that stuff is like, hey, you know, it's kind of a journey. It's an exploration. Better to be honest, better to be open. Like, we're all kind of in this together, and we're all coming from different places, but 
your connection with people on a level that's not about, you know, putting your exploits out there, putting out your level of status and your cool, um, is something that I've carried with me. And, uh, you know, in the end, like, looking back, it really kind of was, and my health teacher might have known this, it all was like an episode of The Wonder Years. <laughs> Just, like, ended up in, like, all right, all right, story. <laughs> We have a few storytellers left. This next storyteller uh, is a favorite uh, on our show. She has her own comedy show called Epilogue Comedy, and the next one is March 28th, which is a Saturday at 10 p.m. Uh, at Mutiny Now Bookstore. Please welcome Timmy Lasley. Hello. Hello. Uh, this is a story in which I am the heroine and everyone else is dicks! I am the embodiment of naivete. I am that rube archetype, that bad men pick out of the crowd, the innocent, trusting idiot that never suspects a thing. I am an easy mark. I would like to say that this is not something that I have cultivated, worked on, believed in, and honored in myself, because who would do that? What a stupid thing, you know? Uh, but I totally have. I've worked at being this person, this innocent, open, trusting person. It isn't often that someone meets a, a truly innocent person, and I'm not saying I'm that, but I'm, I, I, I am nearing 30, and I still believe in seeing the good in people. Like, against all odds, against what others might say is probably better judgment. Literally, I left my door unlocked for the last year and a half. No lie. Like, that's how I've lived my life. It just, we both lost our keys, and it was like, bah. okay, just roll with it. So, like, that's the kind of person that I am. I believe in leaving myself open to the world, meeting people in the moment, to try to not judge them with my own filters of perception, but to try to meet the person that they believe that they are. That doesn't mean that you have to necessarily be somebody's best friend right off the bat. You know, that's not a good way to go through life. But it does require you to withhold judgment about their character. This is taken for weakness. I would like to say mistaken for weakness, uh, but sometimes it's just straight-up weakness. <laughs> There's this wonderful thing that happens when you open up to the world. The world also opens up to you. Sometimes when you open up to the world, nothing happens. It's just you. It's just you sitting there being, like, super open, you know, like, like, like you're the one person on a clothing-optional beach who has availed themselves of that option. So now you're just sitting there, the only one naked, the only one getting sand in places, the only one whose pasty tender bits are getting eyed by seagulls. Like that's, and you're just sitting there like, you know, we're just human. We can all just do this, right? Like we can, it, we're allowed. No, okay, no, I'm, okay, cool. That's, that's kind of how I live my life. Um, this is a two-part story. Part the first, Timmy Easy Mark Lastly gets pickpocketed on the bus. I was on my way to see a show at the Bluebird. Knowing how much I hate holding a purse at a concert, I ingeniously attached a small handbag to the belt loop of my jeans and hopped on the bus. The contents, $4 cash, 
tickets to the show, my ID, my debit card, my lip gloss, and two pieces of gum. I get on the zero. I place my transfer in my bag. I get off the zero. I get onto the 15L. Showing my transfer, I put the transfer back in my bag. Contents of my bag. Used bus transfer. $4 cash. Tickets to the show. ID, debit card, lip gloss, and two pieces of gum. I sit in the middle of the long connector bus, right in the elbow, where the t- there are two seats of, of, uh, sets of seats facing each other. A man sits opposite of me. We each have an empty seat next to us. A crust punk couple gets on. They're looking for seats next to each other. They're carrying a small dog. I naturally offer them my seat and sit next to the man. So now it's the four of us. It's nice to have a little room on the bus so it's so crowded in there. The crust punk couple is explaining that this dog is actually in training to be a service dog and that they they had been hassled by bus drivers all day about it. They explained that their friend who was training it was suddenly and unexpectedly arrested and left the dog in their care. (laughs) The man who is now my seatmate, he and I exchange glances. This story seems unlikely and highly (laughs) suspicious at best. But this man and I, we smile out of the corner of our, ma- our, our, our eyes and mouths at each other, and we don't argue with them. A few moments go by. Snippets of conversation float back at us. Fuck that punk, bitch! And, but the restraining order's off next week, so... Followed by the tenting of maniacal fingers. The 15L. The man beside me strikes up a conversation about my necklace. It's very interesting, and and who gave it to you? And, oh, yes, it's very nice, et cetera, et cetera. It's loud on the bus, but we're sitting very close to each other, so it's easy to hear his quiet and polite conversation. He makes a lot of eye contact. He smiles. He keeps the conversation going until my stop comes, and then I hop off the bus. Three steps away from the bus doors, I realize that my hip bag is perceptibly lighter now. I unzip it to check the contents, and I find, in it, I find my lip gloss and two pieces of gum. That's it. Realizing immediately what has happened, I am upset. Mostly because I always imagined being pickpocketed to be somehow more Dickensian. You know, still like dark, but more whimsical somehow. In protest, I put on some lip gloss, stuffed two pieces of gum in my mouth, and call my Banks 800 number. Now you might be thinking, man, that guy, what a dick. But let's be easy on him. Come on, how easy did I make it for him? Like, hip on my bag, just, you know, just sitting there on the seat, super... I didn't feel a fucking thing. How easy did... Perhaps in this story, I'm the dick. You know, maybe in some sort of, like, pickpocketing circle, he would have been a dick if he'd let such an easy mark just slide by, you know? Like, without teaching it a lesson, you know? Maybe he was a teacher. I'd never even thought about that before. He was probably some sort of teacher that just rides the 15L up and down, just waiting to teach some poor Rube a lesson. That's like, thank God for that man, right? Part two. Part two. So this happened, part one happened on a Friday. 
Part two, Sunday, two days later, the part where Timmy fooled me twice lastly has her phone stolen on the bus. <laughs> two days later. <laughs> I was on the zero, phone in hand, bus pulls up to the Colfax stop, phone goes into my right hand jacket pocket. I stand up, exit the back door, get off the bus, pat myself down for all my things. Phone is not there. My eyes flash wide and a litany of, litany of no's run through my mind. Now, if you know anything about me, if you've known me for any amount of time, you might know that I lose my cell phone a lot. I'm so bad with cell phones that if my phone were a car, I would be absolutely uninsurable by now. Like, I am so bad with cell phones that if my phone were a child that I was given care of by the state, I would have had social services called by now. For sure. Absolutely. If my phone were state secrets, you guys, I would have left them on a bus somewhere or in a bathroom stall by now. I'm telling you, I'm very, very bad with phones. Really, really bad. I've had to fess up to losing more phones than most adults have owned. Literally, I'm not even joking, like seven phones in the last two years, just to give you perspective here. So I'd like to think that by this point in my phone having and losing career that I, 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 I fess up to having lost it with a certain amount of maturity and a plum. <laughs> so believe me when I say that if I had been to blame for this one, I would certainly say so. Not, I, I had had my phone out of my sight for 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds by the point I get, of time when I get off the bus. So I pat myself down, I jump back on the bus, like knowing that, like it must be on the seat, it must have just fallen out of my pocket, it must be on the seat. So I get back on the bus, I look on the seat, there's nothing there. I literally say the words out loud, am I going crazy? And then the bus driver asks, did you lose something? And I say, yeah, my phone. And then it hits me. There was one guy who got off the bus behind me. One guy. That was it. He's the only man who could have seen my phone sitting there on the seat. And just in one of those flashes of knowledge where, unless you've had one of these, like, straight-out-of-the-sky flashes of knowledge, you might poo-poo it a little bit. You might say, no, nah, that doesn't really happen. Sometimes it happens, and I just know this man saw my phone, reached over, opportunistic style and took it. So I know exactly, I bumped into him on the bus getting back onto it. I know exactly what he's wearing. So I run out the bus, I see him getting on the 15 and I'm like, that was going to be my transfer anyhow, you know? I have no idea what I'm going to say to this man when I get up to him. But I'm standing there beside him and I was just like, hey, you were on the zero just now, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, did you happen to see anything sitting on that last seat? Did you see anything just sitting right there on that last seat before the exit? And he was like, no, no. And then, it, like in a movie, it's like slow motion in my mind. He's like, no, no. And then, like, shoves something a little deeper into his pocket. He's got my fucking phone! What a dick! Oh, my God! Like... And I don't want to be a dick and just accuse him, because what if I'm wrong? What if this is just paranoia? What if I'm wrong? 
and I'm just going to accuse this poor man of having stolen my phone. So, so I say, okay, okay. And he gets on the bus. He sits. I sit right behind him, and I, like, just stare holes into the back of his head the entire way up Colfax. I'm supposed to get out at Vine. It takes me all the way up until, Col- uh, until uh, Colorado Boulevard to get up the nerve. And I, I don't even know what I was getting. Like, in my mind, what I was going to do was, like, you know, sit in his seat with him and be like, look, man, we've all been there. Just talk him down from it. Talk him down from the ledge of thievery, you know? Just like, in my mind, I was going to make real strong, solid eye contact, and he was just going to admit that he was a dick and give me my phone back. And that was, takes me all the way up until Colorado Boulevard before I get the nerve to just kind of peek my head around the corner of his seat and be like, are you sure you didn't see anything? Are you sure? Because... You know, whatever. And I'm just, like, kind of mumbling these words, just like, you know, because I had it, and then I didn't, and then, you know, they've got cameras on the bus, so I'll, I'll probably find it eventually, you know, but, like, you're the only person off the bus, and just, you know, it would be... Uh, just trying to put a face to the crime, you know? Like, it's not a victimless crime. I am a victim. This is the one cell phone that I did not lose for more than 10 seconds. Like, I should not lose this one. Damn it. I get off the stop, uh, you know, at Colorado without my cell phone. I go to the show that I was going to, real dejected. I borrowed a friend's car to go check the bus stop just to make sure. Yeah, technically I shouldn't have because I still don't have an ID. I still to this day have yet to replace my ID. Um, (laughs) Don't lend me your car. (laughs) Um, But I go back, you know, because maybe I'm just being paranoid. Maybe this guy didn't, you know, like, I, I, I lose things. It's fine. I check the bus stop. It's not there. I think, well, maybe call, call the lost and found. Who knows? Maybe Monday they were busy. They didn't answer. Tuesday I go down and I check, and what do you fucking know? They've got my phone. And with it, they've got a note that says it was turned in on the 15. I lost it on the zero, It was turned in on the 15. So that man had stolen my phone. And then he gave it back because I guilted him into it. So being a rube sometimes works. Thanks so much, you guys. The Narrator's Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrator's Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl. Or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>